This is the Dalek Supreme. You are listening to the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most exterminated. Exterminate! Exterminate! Right, that was 1.25 metres. You're next, Gertrude. Yes, you, don't look so surprised. Now stand still. Ah, much better. 1.6 metres that time. Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? It's uh, Stephen Prescott here from Madman with a Box podcast, which you can find at madmanwithabox.com or on Twitter at madmanboxpod. I'm here for the podcast recording, burning issue number three. 1.7 metres, my best effort yet. Ah, hello, Stephen. Come on over. I'm getting some very pleasing results from my research in preparation for this podcast. Hi, hello, Trevor. There you are. Hey, Jemima, wait your turn. I'll be with you in a minute. They're so impatient, these cows. Can't even wait to be pushed over. Yes, I can imagine. Lovely to see you. Just one question. What on earth are you doing? Well, I I thought that was pretty obvious. Here, I'll show you. So once they finish falling over, I measure the distance from where I'm standing to where they've fallen. See, this one is 1.75 metres. Oh, Sally, that was your best yet. Well done, girl. I can see what you're doing, but what's it for? It's research for our Burning Issues 3 podcast, How Far Sacred Cows Can Be Pushed. I think you may have gotten the wrong idea about this podcast, Trev. It doesn't actually involve cows at all, really. You're kidding. I hope you're wrong, Stephen. That would be most annoying. I've just had all these hay bales shipped in. Yeah, I I think the episode is about how far we can push the limits of what Doctor Who fans hold dear. How can a show push the envelope before it just doesn't work? Ah, that that does make more sense. So, nothing to do with cows at all? No, nothing at all. And nothing to do with how far I can move them? Uh, Afraid not, but it does look like fun, though. (laughs) Yeah, well, it is, just, just a little... Hold on, Stephen. I have to deal with this helicopter. No, we don't appear to need you now. You can take these um, products away. Does that helicopter have two cows strapped to it? No, 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 no. Not at all. It's just an optical illusion from the angle of the light. I mean, who would ship in more cows to test on? Certainly not me. Okay, then, uh, let's head into the camper van, then, uh, shall we, and record? Sure. So not even anything to do with a sacred cow, then? Not even that. Uh, makes more sense now. I was wondering why none of them recognised any of the Bible verses I was reading out to them.
Yes, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Doctor Who podcast, episode number 187 to be precise. As you heard, we have a guest here in the pretend caravan this week, um, Stephen Prescott from Madman with a Box podcast. Welcome to the madness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, it's it's a privilege to be here. Hmm, that's what you think now. Uh, Trevor also <laughs> joins me as well. Hello, Trevor. How are you doing? Hello. How are you guys? Hello, Stephen. Great, great to have you on board, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Trevor. Mm. Now, I also am slightly disappointed that we're not going to be discussing roast beef or uh, cow tipping in any way, shape or form. Um, we, we're going to be discussing something that we've classified as our third burning issue. We've been talking about relatively controversial subjects in the camper van over the last couple of weeks. And this week is the final. Well, it's, it's, it's the final one in our current series anyway of, of those burning mm, issues. For now. For yes. now. Because yes. it's strange, isn't it? When we try and schedule these things, we only thought of three. And during the course of recording them, we've come up with about another 30. Um, so, yes, I'm sure we'll be back <laughs> uh, with another series later on. But Trevor, given that this one was your ideas and it doesn't involve any kind of livestock, uh, would you like to illuminate a little bit of what we're going to be discussing? Well, I, I think this one might be the least controversial of all three we've done so far. It, it, it's going to be more of a free-ranging discussion. And I wanted to start that discussion by asking Stephen, because I really have no idea. Are you more of a new series fan or a classic series fan, Stephen? Neither. So uh, I'm a fan of both. I mean, uh, I've, I, oh, I've come watching... on. No, I mean, nail, I've watching... nail your colours to the wall. Which do you prefer? <laughs> if you're on a desert island and you had the choice between a pre-1996 story and a post-2005 story, which one would you choose? Okay, something post-2005. Because you're a new series fan, then maybe this doesn't uh, affect you maybe as much as it does myself or even James to a certain extent, because both of us come from a classic series background. We've, we've been fans of the show for many, many, many years. Long-term listeners of the Who cast and the DWP will know that sometimes us classic series lovers struggle with the way that uh, things are represented in the new series. And, and that's where this discussion topic has come from. How far can sacred cows be pushed? Now, what that basically means is that you have something that's been, I don't know, carved in stone in the classic era, and then the new series takes a different spin on it, you know, whether it takes it in a new direction or whether it expands upon what we already know about. And what I'd like to talk about today is various things that the new series has done that whether we agree that they've gone in the right direction or whether they've gone too far or whether certain things from the classic series can be pushed even further. Hmm. So that, that, that's where I'd like to start today. Well, Stephen, I'd like to ask you another question as well before we get into, uh, um, well, the least controversial podcast uh, in our miniseries so far, Trevor thinks it's going to be. I have a feeling it's going to be the complete opposite, actually. But um, given, on your, um, given on your podcast, you talk about stories, classic series stories, with sometimes people who have been fans of the show for you know, a lot longer um, than the last seven or eight years. I mean, do, do you go to these classic stories fairly fresh? Uh, do you watch them in readiness to discuss them with someone who might know more about Doctor Who lore uh, than yourself, perhaps? Well, I, I've been a fan for a very long time as well. I watched uh, Doctor Who on, on PBS here in the States when I was a kid. So I, I've been a fan lifelong. So I do, uh, I don't go in necessarily fresh. A lot of this, you know, I've seen tons of classic Who. So, um, uh, but I might not be as well-versed as some people. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I tend to do my, tend to do my research. Uh, but I do, um, you know, I, I have been watching for years. So uh, I just happen to prefer 
you know, Desert Island, definitely Modern Who. Um, that I, I don't, I just don't see them as as I see them as different shows just just because of the air, because of the airs that they're made in more than being different shows um, as opposed to this is the new series and this is the classic series. It's it's all Doctor Who for me. So. so as far as you're concerned, if you see something, and we'll start off with the most obvious uh, example, I think. If you see something like the regeneration issue, this is something that's been you know, considered pretty much you know, cast in stone ever since the, the Deadly Assassin, really, back in 1977. I don't know if that's right or not, 77, 78. The Doctor can regenerate 12 times, and then it really is curtains. Now, in the new series, or in the Sarah Jane Adventures, which you could argue isn't even technically canon, um, (laughs) (laughs) we won't go there, though. Um, It's claimed that the Doctor, or the Doctor himself claims, he can regenerate 507 times. Now, I have a feeling that that particular issue is why we're talking about this issue on this podcast now, because it pushed all of Trevor's wrong buttons and he kind of imploded, uh, because this (laughs) this was one that Sacred Cow pushed too far for him certainly to continue with our mixed metaphors but uh, but what what do you um what what do you think about that did it did it make you think oh that's different or it's a bit of a joke or did you think well i can live with that it's not an issue well first of all i i was so happy when i got invited to do this episode because i remember i remember the episode when trev exploded over that um <laughs> i remember listening to it and just <laughs> well the first the first time you know when you guys discussed that so um so the regeneration issue for me is not is 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 like is a non-issue, and the reason why it's a non-issue is because no matter how many times they want to say that there's twelve regenerations, they were going to find a way out of it, because they're not going to end the show after after the twelfth regeneration, you know, and there's not going to be one actor who's just going to go on forever. So it was it, it, they were going to find a way out of it. I think the five hundred seven thing was was a joke, but Stephen Moffat is a troll. Right, he trolls the fans. <laughs> Brilliant! This is what he does. He does it for for things that people that 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 fans like us get obsessed over. Stephen Moffat just tends to make a joke out of because those aren't the details that he likes obsessing over. Um, and so uh, I think it was you know, and I mean, Russell T Davies wrote that, right? Uh, but uh, but still, I, I just I think it was a it was a it was a bit of a joke and 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 fluff to get out of something that they knew they were going to have to write themselves out sure. of okay. anyway. I mean, I mean, leaving aside the fact that yeah, if they want to continue to make the show, they're probably going to have to cast someone you know in a, in probably five six years time who will be the thirteenth well and fourteenth Doctors. I mean, how how much credence do they need to give the issue as part of a story? I mean, do, does it really need to be an intrinsic? plot point it can it be a flyaway remark similar to let's say i don't know a sontaran being miraculously resurrected i think it would be great fan service for them to actually think about it and 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 still write that resolution um whether they have to or not. I totally agree with you, Stephen. I mean, but what infuriates me often about Doctor Who is something Tom says all the time when I make these sort of comments. He says, it's a series about a 900-year-old guy that travels around in a blue police box. It's science fiction. And that infuriates me because, yes, I agree. Yes, it is. But the, but the, but the intrinsic premise of the, of the story or the whole idea has to make sense. You just can't have the Doctor turn up the next episode dressed as a pink elephant for absolutely no reason. Um, sure, it's a fantasy series. Sure, it's a sci-fi series. Sure, it's make-believe. But I think, for me personally, the story has to make sense. I have to understand what's going on 
to then enjoy the story. I mean, yeah. if, if the story's not going to make any sense, then what's the point of making it if it's not going to have its own internal logic? Well, I, I think there have to be boundaries. There have to be boundaries for everything. I mean, you can't just write off absolutely every crazy, spurious plot point as saying, well, it's a sci-fi show, it doesn't have to make sense. I mean, you know, if, if you want to really analyse it to the nth degree, then of course Doctor Who is going to fall apart. It's not supposed to stand up to rigorous scientific scrutiny. And I, I think certainly we need to decide for ourselves within fandom where stories are just a little bit silly and perhaps, you know, resolutions are, are reached very, very straightforward. For instance, you know, the the emotional plot device. And we've had that on many times now in The Lodger. We had it more recently in the Christmas special in The Snowman. You know, some kind of emotion, you know, makes the problem or the alien menace dissipate you know it was, it was the same within uh, night terrors as well love conquers all and that for me is a little bit of nonsense and you can't put that down to the fact that it's all about a man traveling in a box smaller than <laughs> on the outside than it really is on the on the mm. uh, on the inside mm. so yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you there but i i do love in the larger the way that the way that moffat d- d- not Moffat, the way that the way that the doctor explains it, where he tries to gives the scientific explanation, tries to say, and then just finally he's like, "Yes, it's love." But, love, but isn't, isn't that an acknowledgement? Yeah. I mean, Gareth Roberts just wants to write a bit of an emo story, and therefore he knows it's a bit lame, so he gets the doctor to articulate the scientific version, just to thrust it in the face of fans, almost that this doesn't actually make sense. And and for me, that's. Um, we talk about boundaries and sacred cows. I, I think, yeah, that might be the writers toying with fandom, perhaps te- teasing them. Is, is is that the right way of putting mm-hmm. it? Uh, maybe trying to be a little bit inflammatory as well. I mean, why not if you've finally got an opportunity to write a Doctor Who script? You know, it, it's, it's a show that a lot of the writers have followed since childhood, and now they're actually getting to, to live out the fans' dream. Wouldn't you want to push other fans' noses in it just a little bit? Or is that just my horrible, cynical side coming out again? I don't know, for me, I've said it before, I don't mind if we get a 14th Doctor. I don't mind if we get a 15th or 16th Doctor, as long as the story makes sense, as long as there's a reason for it, as long as they explain how it happened, um, and, and it's logical and understandable. It, it doesn't even have to be an episode-long explanation. It can be done in a few lines. You know, they can find, like, a Superman-type green crystal hiding in the attic, and that gives him another regeneration. Sure, that's that's fine. But as long as it makes sense, what what gets me really annoyed is when they start treating Doctor Who law flippantly, and they start not treating it with the respect that it deserves. Because I think fans do have a long memory. Fans do remember stuff that happened in 1973 and 1963, and they get annoyed. I certainly do when the modern series disregards it, disrespects it, or just totally ignores it. Well, well, how much should the writers and the production crew respect a very, very small demographic that are Doctor Who fans? It's not about the demographic. It's about the show. They should respect the show. The demographic is neither here nor there. They have a, a, a story that started in 2005 again after a nine-year break that is essentially a continuation, for all intents and purposes, of the classic era, they, they even regard the 96 telly movie as canon because, you know, that, that's the way it is. It, it's, it's, it's not about disrespecting the fans. It's about disrespecting the continuity and the lore of the series that they're allegedly trying to um, continue on and, uh, you know, sort of e- expand upon. Ah, but there's, there's, the, there's the word, the continuity. I, I truly believe that the, that the people who are running the show now don't 
actually believe that there's a real Doctor Who canon because because the way the show evolves and changes so much. You're playing with fire, Stephen. I warn you. You're playing with fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying whether there is or there isn't uh, because it's not. Uh, I don't. I I, I. 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 I'm just. You know, whatever serves the story, I'm. I'm kind of a fan of. But. Um, but yeah, I don't. You know, it, it, I. I don't know that they that they truly believe that there is canon at this point. If they believe. One thing is canon, if they believe that the Doctor travels in a blue box around the universe, the time-travelling machine, that he can regenerate, that you know, he has a sonic screwdriver, then you have to believe other stuff. For me, that's the ultimate sign of disrespect, where they say, oh, we'll just forget about this because I can't make a story out of that, but we'll make sure we keep this in canon. I, 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 th- I think you're looking at it very, very narrowly. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you from a Doctor Who fan's point of view. I have to say that. But I also accept that it is a Doctor Who fan's view. I, th- I think when the writers and the production crew write a story and you're talking about respecting you know, what Doctor Who is, I think they show that respect in making modern-day quality stories that has its roots in a story or a, a program that was created 50 years ago. And to, to, to worry about writing a particular um, event within one of their scripts because they might upset the fans when the majority of people who enjoy the show now won't have a clue uh, about this small bit of what we're terming disrespect is... I, I'm, I'm not so certain that's a bad thing. Um, yeah, I think you've got your staples. I think you've got the police box, you've got the guy who travels, is a force for good in the universe, etc. But I think we can be a little bit too parochial sometimes as, as Doctor Who fans in as much as saying, well, that, yes, it's a good story, but it doesn't make sense because the Doctor isn't a woman, for instance, in The Doctor's Wife. And uh, I, I think that's just one very small example. I, 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 I can live with pretty much anything the show throws at us these days, provided, as you said, Trevor, and I really do agree with this part of uh, your small mini rant a little bit earlier, um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's that uh, it has to be credible. It has to make sense. You can't use the fact that it's a sci-fi show to write a story with a whole new bunch of rules. You know, I think that, that is cheating the audience, and that, I think, is wrong. I, I don't think they've done anything so far in the new series that they've disrespected existing canon. There is no Doctor Who story that you can't write. That's a double negative, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you are not limited by canon with regards to what story a writer can write for Doctor Who because there is always a way of writing a good story while still respecting canon. I mean, they, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They really don't. And I think that's the key. That's the key. You need to look at canon as something that enables you to do something, not something that limits you. And I think where the writers mm. have done that... Mm then I think some of the best stories have, have, have come out of their pens. Yeah, and I think it's because the, their, their approach is actually the opposite of what you'd mentioned, Trevor, which was it's not um, disregarding things that they can't make a story out of. It's, it's writing a good story, and if there's things that they can fit in that, that um, mm, uh, you know, mm. uh, are callbacks and, and respect the canon, then, then they do, and they include those things. And, and I think that that's what they've done so well. Yeah, grid, you know? Gridlock yeah. is a case in point. You know, why not have the macro come back rather than invent a new creature that lives on fumes? I think that's exactly. that perfect. And the same, yeah. same to a degree with the great intelligence. I, I don't believe Moffat decided that he was going to write a script to bring back the great intelligence. I think he wrote The Snowman and thought, Abominable Snowman? Hmm... 
you know and i think that's something we're going to see certainly throughout all of the episodes in 2013 i hope we are anyway yeah i think that i think that that's what the all the episodes are going to be about well, I, I agree well let, let's move on to something that might actually be a little bit more controversial only because i i'm not a big fan of this development i have to say and that's kissing yeah now quite like kissing yeah. <laughs> just not within doctor who <laughs> but so uh, oh, oh boy so so it's going to be two against one on this one cuz uh oh, it, it is it is i mean i mean i'll i'll start the ball rolling right away the the very fast ball um it goes all the way back to the 96 telly movie uh the for for me i've watched doctor who since i was 10 years old or very very early age the Doctor is an asexual being. I, I do not believe sex or sexual relations have any place in the Doctor Who format. Now, that doesn't come from a prudish standpoint. That comes from having grown up with a series that didn't even worry about that sort of nonsense. Um, I am quite happy to accept that sort of stuff in other series that I've watched because it, it works really well, but I don't think that particular change to the format works well because it goes against what I've believed for the last, what, 35 years. Why? So why, why, can't, why can't the Doctor have, have love as well? Why does he have to be, you know, why can't, why can't he hook up? Because um, a 900-year-old man hooking up with someone like Rose is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. A bit. A bit. Uh, apart from that, I, I always considered... The, the, the David Tennant Rose relationship is slightly weird. Not not from that age point of view, but just merely from the experience point of view. He is a man that's travelled the universe for a century. He has life experiences beyond our understanding. And he is falling in love with a what, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old woman. Um that that just doesn't gel for me really well. I I don't think that sort of thing has any place. And and I suppose the question I'd ask you, Steve, is why does sex and sexual relations have a place in the Doctor universe when it's survived quite well in the 20th century without it. Well, uh, I don't know that it did mm. survive quite well in the 20th century without it, um, but um, I, I, think that, I think that modern audiences, it's, it, it, I, I think this is really the biggest, the biggest modernization of Doctor Who is, is, is allowing the Doctor to, to be um, a little bit of a sex symbol. Um, because sex sells, uh, so um, and and I think that um, after all those years, you know, traveling and all that experience and and meeting someone like Rose who has a completely different uh, view of the world and a different attitude on the world would change a person a little bit um, and changed him a lot. You know, she saved him. Basically, she saved him from from uh, the self destructive path that he was on and. Uh, that's why he fell for her, and and it seems natural to me, um, and it seems like a, a natural character progression um, for me. And there's a special here actually in uh, in the states, and I don't know if it aired over there at all. Um, and it was um, they, BBC America is doing these things once a month, uh, talking about each of the doctors, and uh, they had a, on the first doctor recently, and. Um, uh, Stephen Moffat did a little introduction. They showed the Aztecs. But before that, they had a whole short little documentary where Moffat talked about the first Doctor and various guests. Um, William Russell was on there and Peter Purvis, and, um, which is odd to see them on an American-produced special. But anyway, um, uh, and, and Stephen Moffat talked about how, uh, how the Doctor um, uh, unwittingly proposes marriage 
uh, to that to that woman in the Aztecs and to and, uh, to a Kamika. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and mm. he says that this is the first you know the the first time we see the Doctor with a little bit of romance in his life and and it seemed like the Doctor was really taken by her and 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 I know that it was a it, it's a little bit of revis- revisionist history on his part I think. Yes. Um, but uh, but watching the episode you're like oh okay, I, I can see it you know so. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, I don't know that it hasn't, uh, you know, and, and seeing, you know, the third doctor with Joe Grant and uh, and, and, and the fourth doctor in Romana. I think it has been there. Yeah, you know? it depends what you're referring to. I, I think it certainly never has is, is, is been as explicit or certainly part of the storyline as it has been since the 96 telly movie. And I think Russell T. Davis has on many occasions said that, yeah, it's actually because of the 96 telly movie we were able to take the direction we chose when we were commissioned mm. to, to bring mm. back the show. And I don't have a problem with either romance or, or relationships being shown throughout classic series Who. And I think, you know, if you look hard enough, it is there. Uh, but where, you know, it suffers, I think, uh, by its absence, is, is where the sexual tension gets vented elsewhere all of a sudden you've got you know characters like Leela and Perry irrespective of what makes them uh, interesting characters they're walking around in a leotard or uh, extremely tight tops because there isn't anywhere else in the story uh, for sexual tension to be um, addressed properly Um, whereas I think you know the relationship the 10th Doctor had with Rose went far too far the other way by trying to acknowledge that, you know, romance and relationships is an intrinsic part of 21st century television. I mean, essentially, all Russell T. Davis did was enable people to buy bumper stickers that said, my doctor does it on the console. And I just think <laughs> that went way too far, you know, way too far. And what the, what the show has been missing for a long time is a good piece of balance. And even in the most recent Christmas yeah. special, you had a totally superfluous, gratuitous, irrelevant, unnecessary kiss between Clara and the 11th Doctor. Yeah. How many more times is the 11th Doctor going to look surprised when someone lands a smacker on him? You know, it, that story didn't need it. That's what I object to. One word I hate, I detest, I can't stand is revisionism. I am so fed up and sick and tired with and I'm going to get hate mail for this trevorthedoctorpodcast.com <laughs> I am sick of modern fans seeing the way the doctor relates to his companions every companion he wants to snog probably even the male ones for all and he probably had a thing for Adam during the ninth doctor period who who knows every companion is a relationship of a very deep and and one might argue almost sexual nature and they try and apply that to all the relationships in the classic series. I mean, I mean, you touched on there, James, about Romana and about Leela and about, you know, Stephen, you mentioned Joe Grant. Um, that really hits at the core of my childhood. That really does. When you grow up with these characters who I believe didn't have a relationship with the Doctor, they had a very deep bond with them. To then have modern fans say, oh, you know... Uh, you know, the third Doctor had a thing for Joe Grant and when they weren't, you know, doing unit stuff, they were off picking, you know, wallpaper colours for their new house and stuff like that. That's that's what really annoys me because it, it's revisionism at, at, at the core level of my understanding of Doctor Who. Did they really, you know, try and imply that? I don't think they did. What I think is, is present is... Stephen that, just did. No, not really. He just said that there was a presence for romance. Not that I want need to argue your case for you, Stephen. But uh... no, but that's yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't even agree with that. There is not 
an avenue for romance there. They they had a relationship. Ian and Barbara, come on. You go as far back as 63, oh. it's there. Whether or not you... You, know, you don't know. have to see it shoved in your face in the way that you got, you know, the ninth and 10th Doctor and Rose, you know, on our screens. You don't have to see it for it to still to be there. Stop Stop making stuff up. It's the modern <laughs> fans that go on about no, Ian, Ian and Barbara <laughs> having a thing during the month-long trip of the Romans story that they thought they were off doing whatever they were doing during the month they were enjoying relaxing during the Romans. Um, that's revisionism at its worst for me. I hadn't heard Doctor that one Who, before. I like that. Do- it's a kind of dirty holiday. Well done. <laughs> are, you saying that, are you saying that the fourth Doctor and Romana running around Paris holding hands uh, is, was not... Uh, it's one of the r- most romantic things I've seen. Oh, of course it wasn't. Come on. Why, been does, far it, too why does it have to be romantic? Why does it have to be sexual? Why can't it just be uh, two fantastic friends with a deep bond enjoying each other's company? Why does it have to be about picking out wallpaper? Why does it have to be about getting a mortgage? I mean, that's, that, that, that's what really annoys me. This revisionism that, that is applied to the classic series now because of... Every second relationship in the modern series is about deep bonds that will last forever. I'm sending Trev uh, a box of chocolate and a dozen roses for Valentine's Day. Because <laughs> the thing is, he'll, he'll think you're off to something. There's, the, <laughs> there's I, I don't know, I, and, and maybe it's maybe it's maybe I'm just a big old softy romantic at heart, and I think that that's probably a big part of it. But I like it. I like the romance just because uh, you know I, I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I, I don't I don't think that the sex that that sex gets in the way of the <laughs> of a good story, and sometimes uh, sometimes it's the catalyst. But um, uh, yeah, you know it doesn't. I, I don't know. I, I I guess I just really do like the I like the romance. I like to see the doctor having having a little bit of love in his life rather than just you know running around with with just but a friend. Why does he need it? I mean. Describe Why do to any me. Of us need it? No, 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 Stephen. Describe to me what Doctor Who is. What is the premise of the series Doctor Who? I think I think love is 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 such an important part of Doctor Who. It's it oh, is it is what God. why why would the Doctor want to save Earth all these times? Why would the Doctor want to do anything that he does, saving people, saving planets, uh, go other than uh, you know just being full of of love? The Doctor is a kind, benevolent person who wants to travel the universe, doesn't want to be restricted by his home planet's regimes and and, and rules, and by accident gets involved with saving planets and people. He doesn't wander the universe handing out roses looking for love. That's not what I'm not saying he's out looking for love, but what I'm saying is that inherently inherently being a kind person and being a person who who wants to help other people comes comes from, from, you know just love of life for me the doctor is a pure person he he really is a very very neutral person he's not interested in that sort of stuff i'm not saying i'm not saying love isn't sex absolutely There's, love and absolutely. sex are separate things mm. not as far as the modern series is concerned I disagree. Well, you, I disagree. You could argue not as much as modern modern day society views it and portrays it, certainly on, on the silver screen, f- fairly frequently. But I think most people now, certainly 40-somethings who watch Doctor Who, can distinguish between the physical relationship and the slightly more emo Doctor that we got certainly in the 10th 
um, the tenth era, tenth Doctor era. But I, I, I think there is a balance to be struck, and I, I think there are some stories that can bring romance into the storyline very, very successfully. And I, I know Trevor won't agree here, but I think Love and Monsters does that. I think the whole Pete and Jackie Tyler <laughs> storyline does that perfectly uh, and i think oh, yeah. doomsday simply wouldn't be as powerful if it wasn't for its emphasis on on relationships and love but there are also other aspects to the the love spectrum if you like and i think that's the kind of thing that irritates me martha jones her very first episode again had to have a genetic transfer that could only by be by done by way of uh, a kiss and i think that is almost trying to find a way to get some kind of physical contact into the story um that will keep doctor who fans like you relatively quiet which i suppose is a full-on hope trevor um but uh, but also <laughs> that acknowledges the show is being made in the 21st century and you know with if, if you were to see doctor who now as it was uh, made in the 20th century then it simply wouldn't be successful I mean you mentioned right at the top of this debate that you know it got away with it perfectly okay for you know 30 no 27 series or whatever it really didn't it found its way into the show in the most inappropriate way and you could say because it was so far away from modern day television even back in the late 80s that was one of the reasons why it it simply didn't work anymore. And also, also is the reason why the telly movie was so intrinsic, because it picked up on that particular failing and addressed it, you know, you could say successfully, you could say unsuccessfully, but it addressed it nonetheless in the last scene. My God, we had fireworks. We had, you know, an old Ed- <laughs> Edwardian-dressed um, doctor kissing someone. It was twee. It was done very, very, very <laughs> badly. But at the same time, I was pleased that they'd actually thought, right, okay, you know, we can take this franchise that everybody thought had died and put it into a new decade, make it differently, and there can be a flicker of promise for the future. And that's what I think the 2005 production team picked up on. It's a malaise of modern television, just not modern Doctor Who. No TV series, to my knowledge these days, will have an older hero it's all about young hip sexy people you know young hip vampires and detectives and stuff like that um you will not see anyone older than 40 years old in a lead in a tv series these days and i've long given up the possibility of doctor who ever returning to its heyday of having an older grandfatherly person is that what is that what you like when you say uh, grandfatherly someone in the series harold i mean yeah i mean this is quite an interesting uh issue as well i mean the um the age of the Doctor clearly has been steadily, well, generally declining since the show started. I mean, do you do you really think we won't see anyone older than 40 play the Doctor in the future? No, we won't. And what is the paradox for me is that people see in Matt Smith William Hartnell, they, they see within his characterisation that they're crying out for it. They're going, oh my goodness, he has, he, he, he's an old man in a young man's body. They're saying... We want to see that. We really want to see more of that. They're, they're crying out for it. But no, every series where, or every new doctor, basically, we're getting a younger, younger person. We are never going to see someone who can shave playing the doctor. <laughs> just, just a quick point. Christopher Eccleston was 41 when he was cast. But aside from that, yeah. I, I just want... Well, uh, not to beleaguer this longer, but I, I want to ask... Because I, I can't remember um, you know, what the... What happened when you guys reviewed uh, Angels Take Manhattan? Um, and Trev, how did you how did you feel about that story? Oh, in so relation good. to 
<laughs> well, so where are you I, going I we're, with this? Well, when we're talking, we're talking about relationships and we're talking about love, and and that episode was about was about marriage. That whole episode was about what it means to be married to a person and 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 what it means to really love a person. And that scene on the rooftop, despite the despite the uh, the Statue of Liberty, which I'm I'm not a huge fan of, <laughs> um, uh, uh, but I get why they had to do it. Um, that, but the scene between Amy and Rory is just—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's the best thing that 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 the two of them have ever ha, have had done at all in 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 Doctor Who. I mean, I think it's better than anything Girl Who Waited or anything. It just that scene between the two of them is 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 incredible, and they're, and they're so fantastic in it. And uh, just that, just the, uh, the 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 dedication and and really showing the dedication that they had for each other, and it's, you know that especially that Amy had for Rory, which is something that I think you know was where her character was going from from the very beginning. Um, her that was her that was the the completion of her character arc, really. We we um, can have such an interesting time on the panel at Gallifrey, Stephen. We really are. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> talking I about know. the puns. Yeah, I couldn't disagree um, but, more, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! I can't wait. I love it. I love it. Um, but but I loved it. I loved that. I loved you know that she wouldn't let him go. You know that, that it was it was together or not at all. And uh, and and you know that's why she chose to go with him at the end. And and I mean that's you know I mean that's fully just a completely romantic sentimental sentiment there, and it worked for me. I I think you're right, and I, I, I don't want to go over the same stuff that I've said in the past. I mean, that particular episode, I love. Trevor sadly wasn't around to, to join. I think it was Tom and I, I can't remember now, who um, who reviewed that particular episode. Yes, it's powerful, but it's based pretty much on you buying into the relationship that Amy and Rory have had and has been built up by Moffat since the 11th hour. And whether or not you believe that to be believable and, and well done influences the emotional impact that scene on top of the building has now for me i never bought into the fact that amy suddenly loved rory i mean i know we were supposed to believe it and i know that amy's choice was was there to demonstrate that but it just never convinced me it always made me feel that you know it it wasn't the love that uh, was really powerful it was the desperation and the fact that they didn't want to die (laughs) um you know was was suddenly brought into to focus they had to talk about it then because rory was going to jump off the building which frankly at the time had about as much dramatic tension as all the other times he looked like he was going to die uh but i do i do agree with you that the whole of that story was was all about relationships i'm just not sure it was as successful as, as many people seem to think. But does that bring us to the end of this podcast at long last? I mean, I'm certain there are plenty of other sacred cows that, uh, Trevor, you can put your shoulder against and try and push over as well. Quite quite possibly, but I, I, I would be more interested in what our listeners can, can come up with with regards to um, uh, sacred cows. Uh, is there something the modern series does right or wrong or better or worse? Are there certain rock-solid bedrocks of Doctor Who that shouldn't be changed or... Is everything there for the taking and for the changing and shaping and modifying? We'd love to hear what you think. Feedback at the com. Well, James, I'm in two minds at the moment. I'm excited and conflicted. I'm excited because we've got a competition to announce for some tickets to the Big Blue Box 2, but I'm conflicted because... I can't win them. 
Well, you know, you have to get our questions right uh, in order to win our competitions, Trevor, which, of course, actually, you've been doing quite a lot of recently in the DWP quizzes, so I should probably <laughs> stop that line. <laughs> but yes, indeed, uh, we've been very fortunate to be given by another Stephen, Stephen Elston, uh, the Commander-in-Chief of the Big Blue Box 2 convention. Uh, we've been given two tickets they're worth £50 each, so this prize is worth £100 to attend... Oh, how awesome um, is that? It's amazing. Fantastic. Uh, to attend the convention on Saturday the 16th of March. Now, just to remind you, Louise Jameson, Dan Starkey, Richard Franklin, Simon Fisher-Becker, Side Town, Nick Pegg, Andrew Smith, Mark Ayers and Toby Hadok are all going to be guests at that particular convention. So it's really worth going to. But before we tell you what question, or before we announce the question you need to answer to win this competition, please make certain you're available to attend on the 16th of March. Um, and <laughs> we don't mind if you are based in Australia, provided you can get here to use the tickets. Um, but uh, you do need to <laughs> answer this question correctly. Now, as you now, may... hold on, hold on. Wait, what, wait a minute. Oh, wait I'm a waiting, minute. I'm you're waiting. saying if someone's in Australia, they can win it. It's two tickets, right? It's two tickets, yeah. So if someone in Australia wins it, they can take me? Well, only if they win the booby prize. Yes, okay. If, if you're so inclined to get in a plane to travel to Tunbridge Wells in southeast England and take Trevor with you as your travelling companion, then yes, yes, that's plausible. That's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, you may remember that Ian and I attended last year's Big Blue Box convention. And what I'd like to know is which actor who played the Doctor was present at that convention. And if you need a little bit of help, then you can take uh, a re-listen to episode 119 of the Doctor Who podcast and you'll get a clue there. Uh, but yes, entries need to be with us by the end of February for this competition, please. To feedback at the Doctor Who Podcast dot com. Which Doctor was at Big Blue Box One in two thousand and twelve? Anyway, I think that really is enough from the Doctor Who Podcast this week. Stephen, it's been wonderful having you in the camper van. It's 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 such hard work arguing with Trevor all by myself sometimes. It's nice to have you on board to help me. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely my pre my pleasure and uh you know if i ever find my way out of the camper van I'm, I'll, I'll i'll be happy to come back anytime <laughs> yeah good luck it's it's transcendent no i can't say that word trans <laughs> trans diamond just say trans bigger on the inside trans yeah. trans diamond tra what is it into interspatial den bigger on the no, inside than the outside trans it's, it's transdimensionally transcendental transcontinental Transcon anyway yeah okay Anyway, transgender. <laughs> no, definitely not that. <laughs> Join us um, very shortly for our preview of the Gallifrey One convention. I'm going to be joined by Chip and Chris from the Ucast, and I'm getting extremely excited about making the well 11 hour plane flight uh, all the way out to Los Angeles. And Stephen, as we mentioned earlier, um, you're going to be there, and I'm going to be on a panel with you talking all about the ponds. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, it's going to be... I, I, I can't wait. I can't believe it's like it's 12 days away, mm. uh, 11 days away, something like that. But yes, we'll be on a panel talking about the ponds. Something else for Trevor to be jealous about. Anyway, listeners, thanks <laughs> yes, very much I'm, for joining I'm us. sitting here suffering in silence. You carry yes, on suffering, you. and you've never seen silence. <laughs> 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 listeners, thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you again very soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Do you want to say goodbye, Stephen? Oh, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you.